0: uh yeah here on nbc we're live at the 2018 thanksgiving day parade Uh, the the spider-man balloon seems to have hit a tree and it has already injured several civilians uh we are keeping you updated as that situation develops
1: wow quite the turn of events frank
0: (laughs) thank you my vampire companion it's very wonderful to have you out here during the daytime. Uh, I know that's not usually a tenet of your race, but I appreciate the uh, the, the inconvenience. Well, you know, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, my uh, Jewish vampire friend.
1: It's actually much easier than you think. <laughs> With um. simple sunscreen. <laughs> <laughs> We, we Transylvanians can go anywhere we want. Frank, I've been living in this country for so long. I think I'm loo- losing my accent. What
0: are you thankful for, my Jewish vampire friend? Oi, they. Uh,
1: well, besides this fecocked Spider-Man balloon.
0: The Spider-Man Balloon has killed, I am sorry to report, the Spider-Man Balloon has killed several civilians. People are suffocating in the rubber. Oh, the humanity. Oh, wait, wait. wait. Here
1: comes comes Gru. (laughs) Gru from some sort of movie, perhaps.
0: (laughs) Behind him is a large minion. Uh, it seems to be eclipsing the sun. Oh, I for one welcome our new minion overlords.
1: Oh, All hail minions. Thank wow, you. Wow, the Spider-Man made the the parade go for so long that we're going to have to cancel the last no, float. No, wait. No. no bitch.
0: Uh, what's that? Running headlong into the down Spider-Man, mowing down scores of civilians. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Ah.
2: No, it's Santa, it's Christmas! Thanksgiving over Christmas is here! Fuck you guys forever! Christmas season, everybody! We've been waiting for it all year long, and it's
1: finally here. We've been waiting for you with our Christmas canes.
2: Yeah,
0: Justin uh, has been waiting for it so long that he has been wearing Christmas
2: shirts since August. Still wearing it, baby. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing: <clears throat> I don't wait for Christmas because Christmas lives inside my heart. Uh, so you, sh-
1: you should get that. Uh, you should get that looked at.
2: You should get that checked out. If that comes with like. Uh
1: like uh left arm pain that's a problem or like dizziness or you know are you are that's, you okay yeah. right now you seem to be having some difficulties i
2: got some gas <laughs> issues
1: going on
0: is, justin was making noises uh before we started rolling <laughs> that were very similar to his giving birth to a baby <laughs> fraser noise from last week or no two weeks ago
1: Is is little baby fraser two weeks old already
2: He's doing well. He's already learned to read and write. Um, I'm going to have is- to have...
1: Never mind. What, you're going to have to have <laughs> what?
2: What? what? S- some I sort just- of get rid of... Oh.
1: The- uh, okay. Well, you're he's already become-
2: born, Justin. Well, he's a little baby Fraser. Nobody wants a little baby Fraser.
0: Uh, yeah, so you're going to become the Medea of this Fraser baby. <laughs> Medea killed her children. Uh, Since Greek mythology, everybody. But,
1: I thought you were like referring wrong. to
2: two or the first one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> nice. I'm such a Philistine that I didn't know about the smart version of what you meant and was immediately thinking of Tyler Perry and wondering if he had murdered a child and I had missed it.
0: I mean, he probably has.
1: Probably. How else does he stay so young looking? Jesus Christ.
0: He's a vampire. What even is going
2: on?
1: It's December.
2: It's Oh God. With <laughs> well, the plant plans We're here to talk about oh, Christmas. Stuff. And this is got gonna... to we're we're introduced this is Christmas time, is here. Everybody cheer. My name's God, and I'm a slob, and I don't even exist. God wow. doesn't exist, everybody. See you next week.
0: Um, Now, Justin, I know what you're excited for about the Christmas season. What's that? And do you know what I'm excited for? What are you excited for? The two debates that come back every year. Mm -hmm. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Mm
2: -hmm. And is Baby, It's Cold Outside about rape? Okay, let's do the easy one first. Um Here's the thing about every any song written before 1989. Um, hmm, well, no, I don't know because uh, when did uh, Blurred Lines come out? <laughs> oh, it's like 2013. You're right. So yeah, anything before
1: 20, I, I want to say 17 <laughs> is uh, very problematic. Um, I've always, I was thinking about that song, and I was thinking uh, it would be great to make a like a like an appropriate version of it mm. where it's like i really can't stay i'll call you a cab <laughs> i'll see you wednesday yes that sounds good
0: <laughs>
1: uber surge pricing is
0: really high tonight um so yes i think that's a
2: perfectly delightful yuletide uh, tune oh wow we got to the bottom of it real quick
1: (laughs) no it's shit garbage um I hate the way it keeps being covered over and over again like it's this cute thing like we find two new celebrities uh, usually across like generations or genres and it's just like oh look oh it's how cute how coy everybody's being (laughs) oh yeah that's so coy Tony uh, Tony Bennett's gonna roofie oh, the shit out of geez. Lady Gaga. And-
2: <laughs> Here's another um, one that a song I hate. I despise Santa Baby. I fucking
0: hate Santa Baby. Thank you. Pu-
2: it's pure garbage, disgusting like uh, capitalist grossness on top of like uh stereotyping uh uh, it's gross yeah
0: it's if your song is about how badly you want to fuck santa claus mm-hmm.
2: like somebody's gone wrong somewhere it's not even that because i could get down with a song about fucking santa <laughs> i've got <laughs> I, several of them. <laughs> but it's that um fucking santa in return for material uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: guys you you're you, you're you're both perverts it's about an actual Santa Claus baby with magical powers.
2: <laughs> I, I, I did that before. Oh,
1: Santa baby, you're a little baby that's weird.
2: Oh, dear. <laughs> You've got an awful big beard. Santa baby, a goo-goo-yaga-gee-go-go-go.
1: Did you do a great verse about a filled diaper? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Don't put any coal in my stocking, Santa infant. Mm. It's uh, shit. Santa newborn, your face is still scrunched. Covered in slime. <laughs> yes, from the <laughs> vagina.
2: <laughs> Who's Santa's mom? Uh, um, I've got a whole theory on that, but I'm going to say All right. Is uh, Die Hard a Christmas movie? <laughs> okay, okay. This, this extends to, okay. Where are our positions? My answer is, uh, fuck yeah. Die Hard's a Christmas movie. Yes, agreed. <laughs> well, fuck! I thought you <laughs> disagreed. Why are we doing this then? Are
1: there are there any really good Australian Christmas movies? Because they no, have no, because
0: it's like the summer down
1: y- there. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. that's what I'm saying. I want to see. I want to hear from the Plaid Lad Nation recommendations mm. of Australian Christmas flicks. Mm. I want to see Christmas in the Outback. I want to see. Uh... <laughs> Sahara Sam. What's his name? <laughs> Crocodile Dundee. Crocodile Dundee
0: Sierra Sam.
1: I want to see Crocodile Dundee in his uh in his uh El Camino that they call something different, full of presents. And uh, Croiky, there's a there's a kangaroo, mate. <laughs>
0: so there's gotta be a kangaroo jack Christmas thing, right?
2: Oh. Speaking of that. Yeah.
0: And do you also, do you, want, you guys want to know the fucked up thing about Kangaroo Jack? Not particularly. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm going to tell you, so strap in. Um, so the marketing for that movie made it seem like what was going to happen was an animated kangaroo was going to rap at Jerry O'Connell and Anthony Anderson the whole time. Mm. What that movie is actually about is like a, a money heist and a random kangaroo steals it with like a jacket And there's only one sequence where the animated kangaroo raps. (laughs) And they marketed the whole movie that way. And it's in a dream sequence. And there was
1: no talking kangaroo at all. It was just Jerry O'Connell and Anthony Anderson trying their best. Guys, what do you think would happen if you took an egg from a duck-billed platypus and put it in a kangaroo pouch to gestate? (laughs) Would that make some sort of mega creature that was aquatic and had a bill... No, you'd get
2: a dead platypus. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's Christmas, Justin. It's time for whimsical thinking. <laughs>
2: Jesus <Yeah>. Christ. <laughs> so
0: how do we feel uh, yes. about this time of year? Because the being in the trenches of retail during this time of year is enough to dampen anyone's view of the season and to keep the spirit. And I know it did for me for a long time. Uh, but I'm, I'm kind of, you know, just kind of, uh, getting over that. But what about you guys? What is, what does this time of year mean for you? Does it make you happy? Does it make you feel a little sad? Does it make
1: you feel a little anxious? How are we feeling? How are we doing? I don't know about you guys, but this time of year turns me on.
0: Oh, (laughs) no,
1: (laughs) no, it doesn't. I, um, I Justin, do you have a? What's your opinion like? Is it good or bad? It's good. Okay, you first.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing that I don't see. I have a. I love Christmas season. However, I don't see. You know how people say, "Oh, people are nicer during the Christmas season." Nope, bullshit. They're not. They're meaner and awfuller. Yeah. Um, I Christmas to me is a very It's kind of odd, though not that odd. I will say this. Santa Claus is my Messiah. (laughs) (laughs) I worship at the altar of uh, Santa Claus. And uh, Christmas, to me, is consuming various pieces of artwork (laughs) around the theme of Christmas. And it does my heart good. And it makes me want to... Uh, it gives me an excuse to allow myself to to tell people that I appreciate them, um, but I don't buy that f- for th- the general world. No, 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 people people are very shitty, uh, uh, especially around Christmas. But fuck them! I don't care. I'm not going to let them dampen my spirit.
1: Justin has a song called atheist Christmas mm-hmm. where uh, he's got two versions a classic one written and recorded when he was I don't know 20 less teenager less, like 17 maybe 17 16. still in high school and then he recovered it for one of his Christmas albums which he releases every year he's really into Christmas everybody
2: oh yeah yeah we'll get into it uh, <laughs> I'm uh, the fourth annual one's coming up and uh, next week's episode you'll hear more about it
1: I'm excited. <laughs> I um I don't like Christmas. <laughs> being a uh being an Nazi Jew from Transylvania. Uh <laughs> No, no, no. No, no, I'm not. This is your friend Tom, who's not any of those things. Um uh Christmas f- Uh, It's all the standard things. I've got no insight here. It's just all the regular pretty good reasons not to like Christmas. It's consumerism. It's imperial Christianity taking over for millennia's old uh, pagan traditions. uh, Something that. You know, Saturnalia, where where roles were reversed and 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 titles and prestige was suspended for a day, sort of acknowledging our 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 humanity has been co opted into this thing, and now it's this. Uh, it's at best a religious holiday, and at worst a consumerist uh, free for all. It's stress. It's money I don't have. I get a bunch of shit because everybody feels obligated to give me gifts, and then I have to store it for an appropriate amount of time before selling it or throwing it out. And uh, it's, a, it's a stone bummer. If there's a good part of it, it's usually that some family member who's far flung comes home for a bit, and we have a big tasty meal together. But uh, besides that, um, yeah, no, I'm not for it. I will say, though, that this year, uh, the first... Uh, the first grandchild, the first uh, nibbling, the first—my uh, uh, my my niece was born, and I have a feeling that the introduction of a new generation will will reinvigorate the Christmas spirit for for one and all. One and all. Ah. <laughs> um. So
0: on my end, I really enjoy Christmas, but I, I have a love loser. hate thing because. Like I said, I you know I worked retail for so long, so Christmas just meant people were going to scream at me. Um, and I've come to to understand, you know, part of the reason why everyone's shittier on Christmas, like you were saying, Justin, and you were saying, Tom, is because everybody's spending money they don't have. Yeah, like everybody's going into debt to buy Christmas decorations, Christmas presents, the food for the big ass meal that you have to serve. You know, Christmas is just about pumping money once a year into uh, industries that are dying Um, and that aren't even making those quotas uh, year after year during Christmas, anyway, now because of the impending uh, brick and mortar uh, apocalypse uh, or ongoing brick and mortar apocalypse. So it makes people on edge, it makes people angry, and some people just genuinely, like Tom, don't like the holidays. Um, So everybody has this weird thing where there's this sort of contest between those who are sort of on edge and sad and angry or or just not for it and those who are festive and joyous and want the the season to sort of retain some of its enjoyment. Um, And I'm here to say, kind of like South Park, why not both? Maybe both
1: sides are a little wrong. Por no los dos? Uh, no, fuck that. That is the middle ground fallacy. <laughs> there is a right answer here, and it is my <laughs> answer. Everyone shut the fuck up. Here's what Christmas
2: is the movie, a Christmas story, right? At the end, everything goes wrong on Christmas Day. The, the turkey is eaten, and uh, he shoots his eye out. All of that at the very end They're of the movie. Racist
0: to Chinese people.
2: Yes. Um, at the end of the movie, the mother uh, comes downstairs and the father's sitting there in the dark and quiet in the piece and she sits on the arm of the chair and they just look out the window and there are lights and the snow is falling down. It's
1: about a, a, a certain peace, a stillness. It's a, it's a gorgeous thing. Justin, that's, that's the TV version of the movie. They, they have to cut out the by far the darkest scene of that film. Let's just say the father's an angry drunk. Yeah, Darren McGavin uh really fucking
0: gives it to that kid. The little one.
2: I won't let you ruin this for me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> did you know that in uh the netherlands or is it belgium that uh oh, Sa-
2: oh i know
0: where you're going
1: santa claus has a uh african slave friend <laughs> yes i know i, I believe that's <laughs> finland it's somewhere in
0: in that area yeah it's 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 yeah. it's
1: either Belgian, belgium or holland and uh they they are hanging on hanging on to that <laughs> they, they are, are not- smart pete smart yep yeah, smart pete uh <laughs> Here's some other fun global <laughs> Christmas traditions. Yeah, <laughs> like, Santa a, a the, This goes <laughs>
2: for literally.
1: Here's the thing. People who wanted to take a shit on
2: Christmas because it's nice and fun and because everybody likes to jump on board because you yourself are uh, a coward and are buying into the capitalist bullshit. You're you are you are Hook, line, and sink are stuck into that capitalist thing, and the only thing that you can make yourself feel better about it is to shit on Christmases and say, this is shit. Why do we have to do this? You don't have to. You have a choice. And, and if you're buying into that capitalist bullshit dogma and, and shitting on the good, pure joy, that's exactly what the right wing extremists uh, in power want you to do. They are sowing fear and anger and hatred um, to keep you uh, uh, pacified and, and consuming. You have a choice out there this year for Christmas. You can be another cog in the fucking machine, or you can fill your soul and heart with joy and love and peace. You Uh, have the choice, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to survive.
1: We're going to live on. Today. (laughs) Today. It's, it's our <laughs> Independence Day! And I'm Crazy
0: <laughs> Randy Quaid! Let's go uh, blow up an alien! <laughs> I'm back! Plaid lads,
2: go to the so, movies? Mm, I don't know. Uh, let me check the time. Really got a lot of smart well, um, to
1: do. My 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 phone's being weird, guys. Oh, Alright, here we go, Fandango. Oh. Um. Mm. Do you have Movie Pass still? I still pay for it but I haven't
2: used it. Like I don't think ever.
1: Do, do, do <laughs> they do they take
2: it at all the theaters? Not all of them. So, so where 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 were you looking to go?
1: Um mm. what do they even call They keep changing the name of the place. Is it is it AMC now? Is it I, Carmike? I don't know. I
2: Carmike Rave, I think. Just put in the address. Put in the okay. the address. Does it come up there? What road is it on? I think it's... Is it... Oh, fuck. Dver, Voorhees. It's, it's a road. Yeah, that's,
1: not, that's not a road. Yeah, but it's It's like... Check movie theater and Voorhees. It's Haddonfield-Berlin Road. Damn. Guys. All right. All right. You know what? Guys. You fucking look it up because I don't like this dude. <laughs> check your tood at the door because it's inside Lewin Davis. <laughs>
0: uh so this week we are talking about the 2013 Cohen brothers classic inside lewin davis starring oscar isaac justin timberlake and what's her name carrie Fuck. mulligan
2: carrie mulligan with uh key supporting roles by uh john goodman adam
0: driver and charlie hunnam charlie hunnam mm-hmm. plays the uh driver to uh, john goodman's character and a, and a, uh, and, a,
1: and a kitty cat
0: and a kitty cat and and some of the best cat acting the best cacting <laughs> uh you know this side of where some movies with good cat actors
1: i heard that cat won a cafta
0: yeah so the movie concerns the titular folk singer lewin davis played by oscar isaac He's a down-on-his-luck fellow, trying to make it in the Greenwich Village folk scene in the mid to late 60s, and uh, there's, it's a changing time for the folk music scene. When the folk music scene began, it was just that, people playing folk songs on acoustic guitars, but not necessarily writing their own material. And then this kid from Minnesota mm-hmm. named Robert Allen Zimmerman Decided to stroll in and write his own ding dang songs mm-hmm. and made everybody else look bad. And this guy, Lewin Davis, who is based on a real singer named Dave Van Ronk, mm-hmm. uh, is sort of in the dying days of what's left of his struggling career. He's miserable. He feels like he's a failure. And he's trying to live an authentic life while accidentally getting a lady pregnant, mm-hmm. traveling to Chicago to audition for a record deal. Uh, doing a, a novelty record For Justin Timberlake's character And forgetting to sign the rights To get the uh, royalties off of it Because he's a big old dum-dum mm-hmm. And then failing to track down his union dues important. Inside, And he loses a cat Inside Lewin Davis movie uh, <laughs> <laughs> Inside Lewin Davis everybody It's a movie
2: <laughs> It's important to note That he also uh, is Uh his former singing partner had committed suicide.
0: Yes. Jumped off the George Washington bridge and not the Brooklyn
2: bridge, which mm-hmm. is a point of contention. Yes. And there, his, uh, his suicide, uh, uh, hangs over the entire movie, though. It's rarely ever, uh, really brought up.
0: Yes. Uh, I want to talk about that suicide for a little bit, because, uh, if you'll recall, there are characters in the movie that are, uh, uh older uh, college professors yes. who let lewin stay with them uh usually to have dinner and the the cat that he keeps losing throughout the movie is their cat mm-hmm. uh they're uh, an older jewish couple called the Gorfins and they kind of do a little bit of a gross thing where they like to show off the fact that they have a musician friend yes so whenever their fancy older people come over for dinner they kind of nudge and prod lewin into performing um and they start singing along with uh, Fare Thee Well, Dink's song, uh, which was one of the songs he did with his late partner, mm-hmm. Mikey. And there was a critical dust-up when this movie came out, uh, began by Fart In My Face, David Ehrlich. Pfft, Terrible. <laughs> Hate him. David Ehrlich, ew, thumbs down. He said that the Gorfiens are Mikey's parents which is wrong and stupid. Oh, that's incredibly dumb. Where does that come from? (laughs) He believed that it wasn't even just subtext, that it was text, that they would start singing along with that song and get emotional, therefore they must be his parents.
1: That's uh, really dumb. This movie has a lot of weird theories about it because it has a slightly confusing Mm -hmm. and very effective uh, time thing it does where... Yes. The, the end. Uh, the end is uh, the future, and flashes back, but we don't know that, and it's very seamless, and there's there's a mm-hmm. circular plot thing, uh, so much so that for a little bit after watching it, uh, I kind of was like, was that a fucking time warp? So I decided mm-hmm. to. I was like, of course not. Why would they do that? And I went and uh, I looked on the internet, and there were a lot of people debating about. What kind of time warp it was And then the next the next day I called up My my, my buddy Justin And he goes, no The whole movie's a flashback And I go, oh yeah, that makes a lot of
0: sense It yeah. makes way more sense that way Yeah,
1: So it wasn't a time warp Those people aren't his parents He's not a ghost the whole time yes.
2: It was literally just a flashback The cat
1: isn't uh, the reincarnation Of his singing partner yeah.
2: No, yeah. I mean I would read an article that was
1: positing that. Yeah, cuz it would be delightful cuz who doesn't <laughs> yeah. love ghost kitty cats?
2: Um I this is a wonderful movie we we can't really talk about this. Well, I mean, we can, but we shouldn't talk about this movie without mentioning Oh brother, where art thou? The no, Cohen no, no, brothers. No, 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 no,
1: <laughs> Justin, we shouldn't talk about that.
2: The Cohen brothers previous uh foray into uh folk music based uh movies. Which, uh, these are, basically, this is a spiritual sequel to O oh Brother Where Art Thou. Whereas O oh Brother Where Art Thou was, uh, almost magical and was sepia-toned, um, and was about, uh, almost like the characters within folk songs, um, and the origins of of it. Uh, Inside Lewin Davis is the uh the generation that came up on that music and instead of it being sepia toned it's uh it's like a, got a gray soft focus uh beautiful uh, dreamlike quality to it um and a lot of the musicians who worked on this film were um ironically musicians who were inspired by and created the uh, late 2000s uh, folk music revival, which many of them point to Oh Brother Where Art Thou for introducing them to this kind of folk music. So it's a yeah. nice little circular uh, nugget uh, within there. Yeah, that's, that's actually a good point. I, I had never really squared
0: the circle on that timeline before, but that's interesting because... You're totally right. It was the Oh Brother Where Art Thou soundtrack, mm-hmm. uh, the Cold Mountain soundtrack. Yeah. If you recall, was also pretty crucial to that. Uh, and there was a compilation of uh, folk songs and sea shanties uh, that a lot of famous people got in on. I can't remember the name of it, but it was like U2, Nick Cave. Mm-hmm. Tom Waits, um, I think. Tom Waits. Yeah. they There were a bunch of songs like that on there that kind of was in that early to mid two thousands period when suddenly we were all about this kind of music again. Mm -hmm. Um, and then one of my favorite just sort of bada boom out of nowhere, not expecting it the first time I saw it scenes in movie history was at the end, just before, uh, Lewin is assaulted by the, what we find out from the beginning of the movie is the husband of a woman who lewin had drunkenly insulted and heckled yes uh as he is walking out of the gaslight club which was a a real club in greenwich village in uh that period of time there is a wild-haired man who has a Mm. nice nasally singing voice and he's playing and strumming that guitar on stage and you don't see his face but you know who he is yes and i thought this movie is a fucking masterpiece Mm. Dewey Cox.
2: <laughs> Dewey Cox. It's, it's Walk hard. It's, you sillies, it's Robert Zimmerman, Mr. Bob Dylan, which, um, knowing the history of of the folk music scene, uh, adds a lot of layers to that ending. Um, because, so, uh, Llewyn Davis is based loosely off of Dave Van Ronk, but that's not. Entirely accurate. The character is nothing like the real Dave Van Ronk. Uh, Dave Van Ronk was uh, um, a boisterous, uh, like storyteller of a man, uh, very gregarious. Um, what this movie's truly based on is Dave Van Ronk's memoir, uh, "The Mayor of McDougal Street," which many of the all of the plot points of this movie are taken from his life going out to Chicago to audition. Um, uh, uh, I, I think there was a cat involved. Um, yeah. But that that ending, um, what that means for the character of Lewin Davis is something that, which he hates, which is he's going to get so much money because Bob Dylan is coming around. The folk music scene was going on, but it was not nationwide. It was not the huge thing that it would become. Once Bob Dylan comes along uh, and makes it insanely popular, uh, it, Lewin Davis is going to get a record deal like that. And he's going to have to live his life uh, off, of, off of that, which he is going to hate. Uh, But he doesn't have to go back into the Merchant Marines. He is set. And I think that's a... a, And maybe that's not for everybody. Maybe it's just for Justin. (laughs) But I think it's a brilliant ending that is only um, there if you kind of know that sort of history. Though not fully. anyway. Yeah. Yeah, he, he,
0: like you were saying, Lewin Davis is kind of doomed to succeed, but he's not going to succeed that much mm-hmm. because, like as you were saying, the real Dave Van Ronk was, by all reports, a pretty nice guy. Yeah, uh, Lewin Davis is not. Okay. Yes. He's not a bad person. I'm yes. not saying he's a bad person, I, but I, he's
2: not a nice person. I wanted to bring that up because in any review of this film fucking hate him every yeah every reviewer and it's not even like an uh, uh attack on the film they're saying like oh yeah the character is an asshole everybody's saying the character is an asshole i do not see that yeah, i related like, very much to this character i related a painful amount yes. to that
0: character specifically the scene where he's talking to his sister yeah and they get into a huge fight over whether or not like Being an average person is an okay thing if you feel like you can do more. Mm -hmm. And he has always felt like because he had talent that he was able to do more or he would end up like his dad, which is kind of it's implied because his dad uh, uh, is suffering from a degenerative brain disease in the film, some form of dementia. Um, uh, It's implied that his father was unhappy with his life. Uh, and that he lived uh, inside of a very safe confines. And Lewin, by being an artist, is is sort of rejecting that or trying to. Um, and he he's never felt quite happy with where he wherever he gets to, he always feels like it's not a good fit. Like he's never quite comfortable in the in achieving some success. Like he's given. Mm-hmm. A huge opportunity which is to be part of a novelty song which was like a huge thing back then um but he fucks it up and doesn't sign the royalties correctly mm-hmm. he uh when he's recording the song he says something to the effect of like uh who wrote this fucking shit and it's justin timberlake's character he mm-hmm. says i wrote it you know that's the point of the song it's, it's not supposed to be a great song it's supposed to be a novelty song mm-hmm. and that song goes on to become a huge hit in the world of the film uh, as it should be, because we'll talk about it, but it's awesome and hilarious. Uh, please, Mr. Kennedy. Yes.
2: Uh,
0: so I, I super related to this never quite feeling that you you fit somewhere. Uh, when you achieve something that you want, feeling like, is it enough, or am I doing it right? Um, you know, he, he's a character who is constantly at odds with himself. Um And the way he relates to the world can be sort of through anger and sort of reacting hostily. But it's a justified anger, because his best friend and his musical partner uh, committed suicide very tragically. And he lost something important to him.
1: Yeah, I think everyone can fuck off. Uh, He's... he's (laughs) he's fine he, the thing he shouldn't be doing is uh having sex with Justin Timberlake's uh his girlfriend, girlfriend yeah. and getting her pregnant that's a that's yeah, a pre- that's a dick move uh,
2: which though there is the line that Carrie Mulligan is like uh, attacking him for it and he makes the very uh important uh point that it takes two to tango
1: <laughs> it does it does um yeah the way he puts it in that scene with his sister is uh oh what well, you, you want me to, to just exist and that that one that one hit home because that's the way certain things uh, feel. yeah uh, so like it's it's in a class of film and media and other things that I uh, really relate to and thus cherish and and when I was younger, I would cherish it through like imagination. but now, it's uh I relate to them one to one as I've gotten older and now I'm in the exact same situation which is somebody who's a creative uh, who's uh, all these things they're male and they're all uh, a particular age which is my age <laughs> right about 30 and they've they've uh, it's like they're on an aircraft carrier and they're in the airplane and they're they, they've got the engine maxed out or maybe not <laughs> and they're running out of boats and the plane is just going to go off they're running out of time and patience of from their support system uh other things in this canon uh include two works by george orwell down and out in paris and london and keep the Aspidistra flying two books i hold very dear i i made it sound like there was a lot more but that's all that's on my mind now uh but um yeah very uh that's a good read. Go read that, everybody. But uh, similarly, uh, somebody, a creative of about 30, uh, in an urbane setting, dealing with survival, poverty. that, that That's one thing. Like um, You're saying that he was uncomfortable with success with the novelty song. Uh, the way I recall it, uh, he couldn't do the thing to get the royalties because he needed the money quickly. Yeah. Because he was literally homeless. Uh, yeah, well...
0: He made the decision to take the money quickly.
1: Because he needed to pay yeah. his dues to get back into Merchant Marines to live. Yeah. Uh, so, I, for me, it felt like the tragic uh, poverty begetting poverty uh, spiral. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one of the great things in this movie is uh, the way it plays with time, including... Uh, when he goes on his big travail to Chicago. It's a huge chunk of the screen time of the, of the film, and it's this little miniature story arc uh, in itself. Uh, and, of course, before, he's already dealing with the situation with the pregnant uh, uh, lady. Uh, and he comes back, uh, and he goes, uh, what, you haven't, you haven't had uh, the abortion yet? Because he's going to have an abortion. Um, and she goes, what do you mean I haven't had it yet? It's only Tuesday. Tuesday. Uh, meaning that <laughs> it, For him it felt like an eternity But uh, it had actually been a day or two Which brings up Reminds me of a pretty big plot point Which is that the abortion doctor lets uh, lets him know that uh, Another lady who he done what Knocked up decided not to have the Abortion so he's got a little baby boy out there Little baby boy walking around the world Little Lewin Davis too and, junior. and
2: there's a wonderful scene where he's uh, Driving in the snow And he does he hit a cat
1: he hits a cat. He, he hits, hits a, a cat. He we hits be, the cat. He hits. He hits a cat, but he hits it's the cat, which was not the cat. Yes. Yeah.
2: He yes. Um. He he hits the like spirit animal that's guiding his his yeah. life during this momentous week, um, and and he sees the turnoff that he could go where this this woman uh who had the child, so he has a choice like. He could go see this this kid. He could... At multiple moments in the film, but this is the time where it feels like he's being pulled the strongest. He has so many different... Just in the span of a week, so many options that he doesn't t- choose any of them that could completely change his life in so many different ways. He what this character is he's not an asshole he's not uh, afraid of success or anything he is somebody who is um non-engaging with his own life
1: yeah his solution is to go back to the village get onto the open mic bill for a paltry amount of money pass the hat and then just to uh nihilistically get drunk and heckle the talent uh out-of-towners who have come in to take their shot at the still burgeoning scene and he's just hurling abuse at them but just and then Bob Dylan shows up, and, exactly. Uh, it's,
2: it's this film is about uh, um, part, somewhat about fate.
1: <laughs> the future is learning to wait around for things you didn't know you mm-hmm. wanted to wait for. Mm-hmm. To borrow a at Ted Leo chorus, there's there's a Lewin Davis. His Bob Dylan was uh, Paul off Tompkins. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to say about this
2: film in terms of. This is the the best film I've seen besides the movie Frank. Not you, Frank. Oh, yes, no, no, no. Uh,
0: the The paper mache head guy. Yes,
1: uh, although that paper mache mask does look like Frank's actual head. <laughs> it does.
2: It looks like my real face. It's pretty weird. But that that movie Frank and this movie are two of the best uh, representations of. Uh, uh, musical performers. Oh, also Scott Pilgrim. Those three are the best, uh, or at least spoke the most to my experience in making music. Um, I'll, we'll get into it. I'll get into it a little more once we start talking about um, Dave Van Ronk. But I used to have a, uh, a singing partner. We were a folk music duo. Shout out to Kate. And uh, when I saw, first saw this movie, I saw it by myself uh because it was a huge thing for me cuz i was a fan of dave van ronk and the coen brothers um and so i saw it by myself and at the end credits there was just a bunch of old people in there with me and i heard them behind me saying re- referencing me cuz i was just sitting there watching the credits uh i th- i think he relates to this <laughs> oh no and oh <laughs> and i was wearing a pea coat and <laughs> i oh god but and I, I, I fucking love this film uh so much of it spoke directly to me, and then my singing partner moved away uh uh-huh. and then I watched the movie after that now the singing partner did not commit suicide, she's uh, no. alive and well and um but I felt so much like lumen Davis so completely um. Musically, <laughs> Tom's bringing me a guitar <laughs> so so alone. Um, that watching it after that, the scene of the dinner party and yes. of being forced to perform when you don't want to, and then people joining in and singing your partner's harmonies, yeah just made me so nauseous watching it after it's so fucking accurate
0: it's really uncomfortable
2: it's so fucking uncomfortable um
1: that's a really 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 specific thing to to relate to
2: oh no but i mean but so much of it uh throughout the film of people saying like you should get another partner people basically saying we liked you better (laughs) when so um I will say that that experience and this uh, um, relating to Lewin Davis directly led me to, um, after months of wandering musically, not knowing where I was, a very depressing time, I made my first Christmas album. And so what I'm saying is, um, one of two things, Christmas is my Bob Dylan, <laughs> <laughs> or all Lewin Davis had to do was uh, record a singing Christmas
0: album he probably did i i sometimes like fanfic his future as a as a character Mm -hmm. and he he probably recorded like he ended up recording a novelty album or something oh Oh, yeah and maybe he
1: became like a producer and he had an okay life yeah i feel like he just got really fat and became like the orson wells of of folk rock Mm -hmm. of folk music folk rock folk rock if i
0: I fly off the river
1: to the one I love, well, honey. Well. <laughs> This week we're talking about... 1964's Inside Dave Von Ronk. Recorded by Dave Von Ronk in 1962. At the same time, they recorded Dave Von Ronk, folk singer. And then they waited two years and released it. The original only had 12 tracks on it. Subsequent reissues have a whole lot more. Folk album... So all the songs are written by f- folk of uh, dead
2: people. This is Crucially. very uh, comforting. I like this. Keep going. Yeah. The, bo- 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 the cover bo-
1: has a picture of Dave Antronk and a cat and a kitty cat.
2: Inside Loon Davis truly is. Let's make a movie purely based on a picture, a picture. <laughs> yeah. uh, yes. The folk music scene of the, the 50s and 60s was very important to me. I loved it very much personally as it was happening. <laughs> yes. Um but uh I out of all of them besides Bob Dylan who I was huge into, uh I was immediately attracted to Dave Van Ronk for two reasons and I'm being completely honest. Um as a young uh chubby lad, I would always be looking for chubby role models. <laughs> and everybody in the folk music scene of the 60s was real thin because they were legitimately starving
0: right because they couldn't afford to eat
2: exactly dave van ronk was a hefty boy <laughs> he was an absolute unit and <laughs> and but with everything that came along with that he is um an ideal of the uh, loud hollering uh hairy <laughs> folk singer who's loud and gregarious who welcomes all his nickname was the mayor of McDougal street because he would uh take care of you if you came along um somewhat to the detriment of his career uh he loved where he was he didn't really want to go anywhere else um so he was a true mentor to people like uh like uh, uh Uh, Bob Dylan and everybody. Um, But he kind of, like, just pushed them on their way. He was... He... Of the New York Greenwich Village scene, he was the heart and soul of it. I won't say of folk music, but of that specific scene. Um, And you can tell why. He, He is way more raw than anybody else in that scene. Um... And and that's the thing about uh, a folk singer, at least as defined back then before Bob Dylan uh, changed what that meant. A folk singer takes old material and lives it and interprets it. That's why uh, uh, when we talk about albums now, uh, albums are curated and fit together. There are concepts behind them. Uh, as you were saying, like he recorded this and they released it two years later. That's because they would go into a recording studio, think off the top of their head, what song do I know, <laughs> play it and record it, and then just put it out there. Uh, there's something so incredibly beautiful about that that um, is one of my first loves in music. Um, and there's a specific image of Dave Van Ronk that is everything to me. It's. Uh, and everything I would want to do in music and in life. It's him bearded uh, with his foot up on a, on a stool with a guitar on his knee and his mouth wide open. Yelping. It's wonderful. That's all I have to say. What do you guys have to say?
0: Um, this is a much like you, Justin, this era of folk music uh, was something that I became very attracted to as a teen. Mm-hmm. Um, although I my entry point was Bob Dylan, and I kind of went further back from there. I uh, had actually same here,
2: same here. Okay, yeah.
0: Um, I had actually never heard of Dave Van Ronk before uh, Inside Lou Davis, mm-hmm. so I didn't get that far into it. I was uh, one of the things I liked about Inside Lou and Davis is you could be like, oh, that's uh, yeah. Uh, Justin Timberlake, uh, the one guy, and uh, Carey Mulligan are clearly supposed to be Peter, Paul, and Mary. Yeah. And uh, the Irish guys at the end in their uh, cable net sweaters yes. are clearly supposed to be the Clancy brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, pretty cool. But I had never heard of Dave Van Ronk until this, the, I saw this movie and, and researched it a little bit. So I immediately went to listen to Inside Dave Van Ronk. And what I was struck by was how unprecious yes. his vocal delivery is and how un-pre- it, the whole presentation of what he did was. Because even back then, there is there was a slight tweeness to the way the original folk scene sort of presented themselves. Like they knew that they were these m- modern people playing old songs uh, you know some century old songs um, and they were trying to bring them into a modern context but there was always like a knowing sort of wink to it yeah there's there's none of that knowing wink with Dave Van Ronk there's no irony there's no uh, uh, pretense of anything he's connecting to me it feels like he's connecting directly with what those songs were supposed to mean and how they were supposed to feel. Exactly.
2: That's the thing about like, especially that era, uh, because it's the, uh, stereotype of like the, uh, sewn on leather pouches on the elbows, like the, like the thirties, dust bowl, Woody Guthrie, lead belly, uh, type folk that is, was legitimate people in coveralls and dirty and migrant, uh, workers (laughs) playing songs that uh, were theirs or were passed down from generation to generation directly the 60's folk music scene was an intellectual scene, it was academic Uh, that's a thing that I kind of love about it is that these um, people like Dave Van Ronk are not just musicians they are historians anthropologists and him more than anyone else. Uh, it's the sort of thing of uh, hearing something, uh, listening to something and hearing it. He heard that music, you know, and because it's alive, it's continues to be alive, but so many people don't get that and just uh, are cold fish with music in terms of there are people who are technically better, uh, than than Dave Enrock, uh, but he is technically great, but he, he he does not let that get in the way of emotion.
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's really remarkable in that sense.
2: Music sucks. Everything's dumb. I am Justin. Here I come. <laughs> <laughs> this week, <on laughs> Frazier created this. Frasier is not sure what to do. He he meets a new um person who's an important character. He should he uh, endorse a thing or not? He's conflicted. I forgot to watch this episode. Uh, <laughs> This week on Frasier Crane loves Lads selling out Season 1 episode 9 Take it away lads This is the first episode With a main Ish character Of um the Um take it away
1: (laughs) Yeah so This week we uh We meet Phoebe Mm Glazer She is Frasier's agent Although she is not at the beginning of this episode She's actually Bulldog's agent All this starts when the on-air talent are asked to read copy for local businesses. And Frazier has a little bit of a crisis of ethics on whether or not he should do this as a physician and a psychiatrist and a respected man about town. So he decides to go and try things out at Hot Tub Place, Chinese restaurant. By the way, how about that super offensive rant from Bulldog uh, where he, he does a Chinese accent?
0: Yeah. That's it. We're, we're hitting a period of the show, this early period, where a lot of the jokes just don't age that well. Yeah.
1: Well, they do... Uh, they, the, Roz's response is, well, we're getting sued this time for sure.
0: Right, yes.
1: So... We're- I don't, their, sort of I don't know. Is that a mea culpa? I don't know. You know, it's like it's gritty. It's like real life. Um, and so uh, we meet Phoebe, and uh, uh, she's acting like an old shoe. An old shoe that Frazier has been wearing for years, and they even reference this, where uh, they're arguing, and Phoebe goes, how long have we been together, Frazier? And he goes, six days. Six days is all we've been together, Phoebe. Don't behave as if you're my old friend.
0: Um. You know what's a funny thing
2: about this episode? How do you know that didn't happen, Justin? You didn't fucking watch it! I've seen it, but. So, okay, is this. Rachel talks like this. this! This isn't the episode where he hosts a show and there's a funny monkey in it, right? That's yes. No, no, that,
1: that's, that's a later episode. That is also this episode, Justin. Mm hmm.
0: Uh, You know who is uh, in this episode playing Phoebe Glazer? Uh, The lady who would go on to play the drunk lady in Phantom Thread, everybody. It's
1: the same woman.
0: Yeah. I said the same thing. Basically the same
1: character. I said, oh, it's Phoebe Glazer. Oh, wait, no, this isn't Fraser. This is the Phantom Thread, silly. (laughs) Oh, she must be an actress.
0: This is the Phantom Thread cast. We're going to talk all about that mushroom omelet.
2: Mm-mm. It looks yummy. I never wanted to eat mushrooms more in my life. Maybe it's because I'm suicidal. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't
0: die. He just shits himself a lot.
2: Shits himself and has to wear diapers and he's got boners and shit. I'm into yeah. it. <laughs> what are we talking about? Uh, okay, so so tell me this. Um, whenever uh, the BB... Is it it's BB? Uh, <laughs> when... <sighs> Whenever who knows, who that cares? character comes around, they always—I think you just mentioned it—how how, how uh, she has an interaction with Fraser where she's Satan and tempting yes. him, and it's always so delightful. Yeah,
1: yeah, she's she's a master manipulator and a great flatterer, and she plays into Fraser's vanity. There's another weirdness in this episode with the introduction of BB. In that uh, this time around, it's really sexual. Mm. Like BB is like into frazier and frazier yeah. is kind of into it like it's yeah kind of, it's they, kind of working
0: they go with that element a little more a couple of times after this but it doesn't stick around for long
1: no,, uh,
2: do they ever fuck because the rules of sitcoms are every character fucks every other character no they they, they
1: didn't fuck. She's probably approximately the same age as Kelsey Grammer, which would make it a taboo yeah. in this reality
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. because uh,
0: Kelsey Grammer had the uh Jerry Seinfeld rule for <laughs> his uh, <laughs> sitcom Jesus. paramours. They had to be you know at least ten years younger,
1: oh no, 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 with Jerry Seinfeld, oh, you're oh, you're not referencing how he dated a seventeen year old in real life.
0: Oh, I, I was kind of referencing that, but trying to stick it more to the the TV show.
1: Yeah. Uh. <laughs> so the uh, I think I think the the murdered sex worker case makes another appearance here, but it's unspoken. It's just there. Uh, we catch Daphne and Martin sitting at the table, and they've got a bunch of files open. I think we're meant. I think that was meant to be a trope in the show. They just never followed up on it. No, they they they
0: solve it. In me? a few episodes from now. Oh. And it's a really obvious solution and Martin gets it wrong. I, I believe is, is how I remember it. He gets it wrong and he presents it at a dinner party and everybody laughs at him.
1: Because oh. they
0: find the guy.
1: Oh no. Poor Martin. Poor Martin.
0: This last segment of the pod, it's where we recommend things we're listening to, things we're reading, things we're watching. Things we're doing things we're doing so anyway uh this week i wanted to recommend two things because we were talking so much about the 1960s folk scene in new york uh there are two folk singers from that scene in particular who kind of fell by the wayside but they were they made a lot of really strange music a lot of really interesting music uh and i want to talk about them a little bit the first one was a, a guy named ed askew and he is still alive uh he was a harvard professor who made this incredibly strange music primarily with an instrument called a tipple, which is like an old, uh, European and, uh, South American guitar, like a hundreds of years old version of a guitar. It's an instrument that requires an incredible amount of like dexterity and skill to play, uh, in part because I think the, the strings are a lot thicker, I think is one of the things, um, But he made this music primarily on a tipple. Uh, He released an album called Ask the Unicorn, which if I were to describe it would be like Daniel Johnston music if Daniel Johnston was not severely mentally ill. Mm. Uh, It's like that same kind of odd, ethereal, twee, strange, almost childlike uh, 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 vision of the world and people's place in it. Uh, but the music is very beautiful and very interesting and he has kind of this weird singing voice that accompanies it um and he's still making music today he uh he he still gets around he did an EP with Sharon Van Etten uh, a couple of years ago uh still does stuff on uh Sub Pop and Drag City and uh at Askew but uh the other guy much more tragic guy uh a guy named Jackson C Frank uh, and oh, he yeah. released, yeah, he released a self-titled album called Jackson C. Frank. He was good friends with Paul Simon, uh, so much so that Simon and Garfunkel covered a couple of his songs. Uh, but he made a lot of really dark, weird folk music um, that was just kind of the product of like one dude, a guitar, and like his sort of weird mindset. Um, and his music was so dark and weird that it was a key part of. Martha Marcy May Marlene uh where the John Hawks character plays a lot of his music to his cult of uh harem of women who he then rapes after playing <laughs> these songs. It's uh it's, it's wild stuff. But yeah, Jackson C Frank and uh, Ed Askew, check them both out.
2: Yeah, Justin. Um <clears throat> I got nothing. Um I to Unicorn by Tyrannosaurus Rex. <laughs> it's great
1: Uh, I thought that was going to buy me more time
2: Uh... (laughs) Um, also I just uh, got a game on Steam called Bro Force it's uh, uh, oh that game is so fun it's so it's like a gameplay wise a cross between like a just a uh, super violent like uh, Contra um, uh, uh, platformer and like the game Worms uh, yes, uh, it's completely destructible environments, uh, and it's uh, all like uh, satire on like uh, action stars. It's great. It's fun.
0: Yeah the the characters you play in the game are um, action movie heroes, like actual action movie heroes.
2: Yeah, yeah. So there's so- uh, like Terminator or Neo from uh that movie yeah
0: mr t is in it Mm -hmm. uh chuck norris
2: blade yeah um will smith's uh men in black character anyway tom
1: so i'm actually just gonna plug a couple um musicians i know because i just played a show with them who knows maybe it was my last show i don't know God is cruel and likes to uh, uh, ruin people's lives. Uh, And uh, so I'm going to recommend... I I mentioned I played drums for somebody a while ago. This is the same band. It's a project called Hat and Boots. Hat and... That's an ampersand. Boots. Uh, It's a reference to a Walt Whitman poem, I believe. Not a reference to country-western bars. Uh, And it's beautiful... uh, very uh thoughtful very uh, uh, uh thoughtfully composed uh, uh I guess indie folk it's kind of in the same vein as folk uh and uh yeah he's a great friend of mine but don't let that uh bias your opinion I don't like lying to people so I could not look him in the face and be his friend if I didn't actually respect his craft so he's a great musician highly recommend him Tim, Tim, you can leave now Tim <laughs> and uh put the gun down tim uh and then the other guy i played with uh, uh it's, uh, it's a, his act is called bucolic and is it he it's a it's a auto describer it's an autonym it describes itself uh it's a bucolic textural kind of uh you know uh the way i described it is if, uh, if brian Eno produced my bloody valentine that's that's the way i put it so it's uh it's ambient. Uh, dreamy, but not in the glimmering, sparkly variety in the bucolic variety. Uh, so yeah, those are my two plugs for the week.
2: So you can find us, uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, um, and fuck it. Our, our email, all of it is plaid lads pod, um, at Plaid Lads pod on Twitter, and Twitter, uh,
0: Instagram. I am at Frank McDevitt on Twitter. My current display name is Holiday Spice Popca- Podcast Boyfriend. <laughs> uh, changing it up every month.
1: Nice. Uh, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. That actually makes a pretty big difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can hear us wherever you get your uh, podcasts from uh send us emails
0: send us e- yeah please do send us let us know what you, you exist think, hey. what you want us to talk about if we say something that you can relate to let us know exactly. Let's start giving Maybe us some
2: feedback we'll, we'll read some stuff on the air um if you have That'd suggestions for like criterion films you want us to watch
1: are you a musician do you have a band
2: fuck yeah
1: send us your fucking band camp links we'll put your fucking song in our podcast
0: fuck yeah we'll review your album <laughs> Do you have opinions about comic books? If so, email me so we can fight. We
1: are around. all so lonely. <laughs> Please,
0: dear God! Why do you think we're doing this? We need these friends. We need you. We need you friends. Come back. We want you. We love you. We love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.